Hello and welcome to another episode of Life Story. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Honig. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on this journey with me. What Life Story is, is it's really my excuse to get to hang out with a lot of my friends and mentors, find out about the highs and lows of their lives, and what led them into the people that they are today. If you're returning to my podcast, thank you so much for your continued support. I think you'll enjoy today's special episode where we not only hear about someone's life story, but we hear about the books that affected that person's story. For today, we have my friend Maggie Bell. Maggie is a bookish Midwest girly who works with first-generation and low-income economic students at a small liberal arts college. In her free time, you'll find her hiking, swimming, chopping veggies, or binging her latest favorite paranormal teen drama. The only thing Maggie enjoys more than reading is telling other people what to read next. Follow her on her Instagram at, at Maggie's Mood Reads. And with that, here is the life story of Maggie Bell. Tell me your story, your life story. Hey Maggie, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing well. I'm happy to finally get to have you on my podcast. I know. I'm very excited. I am a big fan of life story. I talk about life story all the time, so I'm hyped to be here. Good. Well, I'm always happy to have a fan slash friend slash all around good person on my show. So today's is going to be a little bit interesting. So I've done some episodes where I have had people come back and talk about where they're at from the previous episode they were on. Um, In this one, we're going to talk about the book of your life, which I think will be very interesting. And kind of talk a little bit real quick, though, about what books mean to you and that you are becoming a little mini influencer on Instagram. Yeah, so I've always definitely been a reader. And I think that what attracts me the most to books is, I think there's a quote that says something like, a reader lives a thousand lives or something like that. Okay. And I think that books are escapism, but you don't have to be running from something to run into an escape in books. Like you can mm. find so many adventures, you can live so many lives, you understand so many perspectives. So I really enjoy just being immersed in a story and getting to experience a character's life and adventures. Um, and sometimes it is also an escape, you know, when times are rough and you're like, okay, I need to separate from the adult world. I need to forget about adulting mm-hmm. for a minute. And just go experience something that really brings me joy. And reading does bring me joy. Um, So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, And I feel like even like the senses, like you remember smells and you remember scents and tastes and everything. It's kind of like books. I always remember like a vacation I went on or where did I buy this book? And that book became a part of that memory then. Oh, 100%. Like I think about that sometimes with my... um, Like the first time I went to Hawaii with my mom to celebrate my college graduation, Mm -hmm. I literally remember reading Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Mm. Semple on like a little, you know, a chair in Hawaii next to the pool, next to the beach. And so, yeah, I totally agree. It's like scent in a lot of ways that these memories are connected to where you were at that time and place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your bookstagram. Why'd you get that started? Yeah, so I live in the middle of Iowa, and I feel like I've, I started getting back into reading at the end of my graduate education, so about two years ago, mm-hmm. and I just always wanted to talk about books with people, but there's not a lot of people around me, I sure. feel like, who are reading books just all the time like me, so I was always giving out recommendations, but it's hard because I'm trying to talk about books without giving spoilers. So I really just saw Bookstagram as, Bookstagram is what they call the Instagram world for the book lovers. <laughs> um, I just saw Bookstagram as a place to see what other people are reading, share my love of reading, and talk about the books that I'm interested in, and basically just get to connect with other people. And I've also found it's a great place for connecting with authors. Like I've actually interacted with quite a few of my favorite authors by commenting on things, and then they'll send you a message back. And so it's been a really good connector for Mm -hmm. people who share this passion and excitement for books. Yeah, and you've even gotten some free books from being yes. a part of this. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten a handful. I get uh, like advanced reader copies, so I call them ARCs. So I actually pretty frequently 
um, get to read books before they've actually been published. Yeah. And then I write honest reviews for publishers and I share them and help to hype these books if I enjoy them around publication day. So mm-hmm. I love that. I just finished an arc this week that I'm very excited about. Cool. So. Yeah, I recently just am um, a part of Goodreads, as are you. Yes. And so I guess one you could say a free book it's tom hanks new book and so i too will be reading it and doing my review being like thank you for the free copy of this book yeah that's (laughs) stunning that's one of my life goals is to read a goodreads giveaway when i saw that you had won i just thought this guy is thriving (laughs) i love that well let's kind of get started so tell me about what books affected you in your childhood what were some of the things that started you onto this love of reading Yeah, so it's very well known in my family. One of my favorite childhood books was called Is Your Mama a Llama? Mm -hmm. And it's basically about a little baby llama Mm -hmm. learning about who it is and then also meeting other different animals. So it goes around and asks its friends, like, is your mama a llama? And then the friend is a bat. And so it talks about its mom being a bat. So... I always really loved that one. And another book that I really loved is, it's a long title, The Little Mouse, The Red Ripe Strawberry, and The Big Hungry Bear. And Mm. I I had these at the same time in my childhood. Like, these were two revolving books. And Mm -hmm. I think they really incited my love of books. And I have to thank uh, both of my parents. My dad is a big reader, but my mom especially, when I was a very young child, would always read to me with these big voices sure so you know with the the story of the little mouse and the red ripe strawberry she would do the big hungry bear and she would do the little mouse and you know as a kid i think i just ate that up Mm -hmm. and so that was the beginning of the immersion for me right it's like seeing my mom able to create these different characters in voice Mm -hmm. and i think that's something we all do or a lot of people still do in our heads is create voices and images for characters um and those are those are pretty fundamental so my mom actually has at home a stuffed llama that i got her in sort of memory of that book and she also has a gold necklace with a gold strawberry on it as well as reminders of these childhood pieces that still are you know a part of our relationship and my love for books that's cool i think some books from when i was little and e2 my dad was a big reader for me Mm -hmm. when i was younger so before i go to bed he'll tell me especially this one i'm gonna bring up he would read multiple multiple times throughout the week and it was donald cries wolf it's mickey and donald duck go Mm -hmm. on a camping trip and donald keeps crying wolf and then finally one comes and nobody believes them but my dad used to do the voices and everything and then arthur like from the tv show the aardvark i used to eat up his books arthur babysits arthur does this that writes a story um and then little critter i don't know if you remember (gasps) little critter but he i collected those books oh yes the very one yes i love the little critter i wish that my nieces my nieces are not quite as big readers as I was as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but the oldest is only 13. So I feel like there's still time to brainwash them into loving reading. But I just remember when they were younger, I think a couple times I bought them Mercer Mayer books because I thought, how can you go through your childhood without understanding, you know, the little critter, yeah. the beach day. Oh, so many good ones. I love to just go to bed. Mm, a classic, yep. a real classic. Um, so kind of as we're moving out of younger Maggie vibes, let's get into like maybe elementary school Maggie. Um, what were you kind of reading? What were you liking? What was going on in your life that made you like some of these books? Yeah, so one book I know you and I have talked about this, and I stand by this. The best book to movie adaptation is Holes by Lewis Sacker. I, <laughs> I was waiting for that. this story. <laughs> I love Holes. So I actually first read Holes when I was in the first grade Mm -hmm. and my brother was in the sixth grade and he had had it assigned. So it was at the house. And so I read it and I love it. I think there's so many good lessons. Like I said, it's a great adaptation, but you know, it touches on social class and race and there's a concept of found family, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these boys who are away from home and they find something in each other that they need to help them get through this really harsh place and Mm -hmm. you know there's a little historical there's a little romance um so I really love 
that book in a lot of ways. Did you read Holes in middle school? I did not. I haven't even seen the movie yet. <gasps> oh, we gotta have a movie night. I know night. we do. I know. We gotta have a movie night for sure. Good old Shia LaBeouf in his prime. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, best, the best Shia LaBeouf movie there is. Um, and then another book I really like that I actually have on my shelf because I got a hardback copy for a dollar at the local library sale. Okay. Is, um... Look at you, clearance queen. Yeah, but it's right... Right back there. It's called Chasing Vermeer. Okay. And it's actually set in Chicago and it's about two middle school kids who are basically on the search for a missing Vermeer painting. Hmm. And I think that is a sign right there. That was the beginning of everything for me because my favorite genre is dark academia. Yep. And more widely mystery. I love murder mysteries. Same. And this book is a mystery because there's a missing painting and these young kids are, you know, on the run to find it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the first book that I can really recall being a really heavy mystery book. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about the mystery aspect did you really like at that age? I think even today, well, I think at that age, I also like the idea of these kids doing things that were bigger than themselves, right? I think that too often kids are underestimated, Mm -hmm. and this is something that might come up later with some other young adult books, but to have kids that really have a lot of agency and are doing things that adults aren't doing and solving problems that Mm -hmm. the adults around them can't solve, I think that's really empowering. But also mystery in general, like, I love a good surprise. Okay. I think I'm a kind of hard person to surprise I'm really good at guessing things, whether it's a gift someone's getting me, the end of a movie. Uh And so there's something so celebratory in being got by an author, you know? Hmm. You're tied to mysteries. I am tied to mysteries. Not necessarily at the elementary school level, though. I was very much into, like, one-off fairy tales. And what Mm. I mean by that, like, is it's the fairy tale, but what's different about it? So, like... I remember my librarian in school reading The Three Little Wolves and the Big Bad Pig. And they modernized it. So, like, the wolves are building this concrete house and the pig destroys it through a pneumatic drill. My mom heard me reading that. She's like, how do you know what a pneumatic drill is? And I'm like, I don't know. It's what it says. Um, And then there was another one. um, It was letters. It was about three books. And I'm going to butcher the titles. But relatively, it was like Dear Little Red Hen was one of them. Mm -hmm. And so what you find out, Little Red Hen is friends with Goldilocks, who's friends with the first little pig, who's friends with Baby Bear. And it's them kind of going through their main stories, but they're each writing to each other. Like Goldilocks is like, yeah, I'm running away from home or something. And then she's like, and I found this house. And like, there's this bed and it's too soft and it's too hard. And then one was just right. And then like, she ends up becoming friends with Baby Bear and Little Red Hen um, is talking about how she's, baking her pie or whatever it is mm-hmm. and the pigs are building their house and at the end of it all of them come together for this party that the three pigs are putting on because they built their homes and Goldilocks is like can I bring my new friend baby bear and stuff and so I just loved all those intertwining stories and I love a good crossover mm-hmm. and so I was like oh this is neat this is a new way to tell those stories yeah retellings I think retellings are kind of having a moment right now like mythological retellings yeah there's a lot of Greek retellings happening mm-hmm. Percy so. Jackson yeah yeah, exactly. That's cool. Um, so were you reading, you feel like more, how should I say, like young adult, like chapter books at that point? Or were you still feeling like you were reading more rudimentary, like children's books? Yeah, I was definitely reading up. I think I've always read up. I definitely okay. had a really high comprehension level. Um, and reading and English in general have always been big strengths of mine, reading mm-hmm. and writing. Um And I kind of regret it in some ways because I think it's hard sometimes content-wise to go backwards and read books that are younger. That can be a struggle. So I feel like I skipped a lot of younger Mm -hmm. books in childhood and even young adulthood because I was always reading up. But like I said, I think it was heavily influenced by having a brother five years older that I was always trying to peek through his bookshelves and find what was new (laughs) coming into the house and then reading it. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, reading chapter books probably way faster than I should. Sure. Yeah. Oh, and I don't know why I didn't think about it. So I read more, I feel like children's books kind of going through elementary. Like I loved books, but I was not like as passionate of a reader as I am now. 
but Junie B. Jones. <gasps> Those are the first couple quote unquote chapter books oh. that I devoured. I had her whole collection. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh, same. Junie B. Jones is a first grader. I love the Junie B. Jones. Similarly, they had Judy Moody. Yes. Who was like a, a sort of another Junie B. Jones. I also had all the Judy Moody mm -hmm. books. And I am, I mean, obviously my bookstagram, and we can talk about that later, is called Maggie's Mood Reads. Oh, yes. Because I'm a mood reader, which means I really just pick up whatever book I'm in the mood for. I can't really plan. I can't, you know, yeah. say here's the next three books I'm going to read. But I'm kind of a mood person in general. I like to wear what my mood is. I like to do what my mood is. That's why I love free days when I can just do whatever I want and not have to have a plan because I am also type A. So I also stick to a plan when yep. I set it. So Judy Moody, you know, was right in that Junie B. Jones era and... Man, connection to that character. But yes, you pulled out the Junie B. Jones. I did. Mm. I did. And for my listeners, I did not come prepared with some books and stuff. So I'm pulling this straight out of thin <laughs> air as we're going through. Um, so do you want to move on to kind of more middle school? What were you reading back then? What was life like for you? And for all my listeners that have done my show, they know middle school was a time and a half for everybody. So what was life going on for Maggie? What was in the books for literally you know, I can't remember a lot of my middle school reading aside from the things that we were reading in class. Maybe okay. that was a lull for me. You know, we had classics like The Outsiders. Did you read The yep. Outsiders? Yeah, and then you watched the movie with Ralph yes. Macchio. Exactly. You know, like The Lottery, which is a very twisted short one. story. Um, but I think it's by the uh, Shirley Jackson, who I think oh, also I wrote that. The Haunting of Hill House. Yep. So a lot of like twisted kind of horror um, so yeah, I do also remember like in the, um, eighth grade it was, I think I had a class, we had a class assignment where you had to give an overview on like a famous person and I chose Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Great choice. Great choice. <laughs> but there's a lot of love for Arnold Schwarzenegger in some ways in my house. Cause um, your so dad I, was also a bodybuilder. My dad was a competitive weightlifter. Um, and it's just like a big weightlifter in general. Yeah. And so we love Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I read a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger books in the eighth grade. I feel like I gave the best presentation ever given on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Does he have a lot of books? I remember reading his memoir and that was a huge thing, but... And books on him oh, and okay. books that have influenced him sure. as well, like books that he would talk about. Um, so yeah, a lot of middle school was really the prescriptive reading that was coming up in class, though, okay. I think. See, and I would almost tell you the opposite, how you were in elementary school. That's where I grew in middle school because I always felt like we were being forced to read so many books. And my eighth grade teacher, I will never forget her, Miss Gaffney, she was brand new and she noticed that kids were having just such a hard time wanting to read. And so she's like, we're not, we're only gonna have one required book the entire year. Besides that, I am going to challenge all four of my classes because our our English class was like an hour and a half because you do partly writing and then partly reading. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, every student, I want to read 25 books this year, but you can choose what you want to read. You keep track of it. You tell me who the author is, how many pages, when you started and when you ended it. And that's all she cared about. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, challenge accepted. <laughs> and so I, big TV show guy. I know you are also a big yeah. TV show person. So I learned really quickly that there are books that take place after our TV shows, specifically Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh my God, like I can read what happened after those shows ended. So I remember getting involved specifically in the Star Trek Titan series was huge. Hunger Games at that point was super oh, big. Yeah. Um, I also was reading biographies from people and stuff. So I just remember that particular eighth grade year was when I started loving books and I never stopped. Yeah, I love that. And you still read a lot of Star Trek stuff outside of the shows, right? Yep. So it's all owed to that teacher. It's all owed to Miss Gaffney. <laughs> um, but then even in high school, it became so much more. So let's transition to high school then. Mm -hmm. What were you reading then? Was it still a lot of what the school was telling you? Or was Maggie getting into her own again? I think a, a little bit of both because, you know, I was in like all the honors English classes and things. But I did not love any of my options, right? So we would, for example, we'd have to do, you know, five book reports a year yeah. off of a recommended reading list. And it was all these books that, you know, had been assessed as like high quality books. They were all, they were all classics 
written by white people mostly, yeah. right? I loved Romeo and Juliet, To Kill a Mockingbird, and The Odyssey. Yeah, and I think that's part of why, like, so many... I was going through this, I was shocked by how many books in my, like, pre-college years were written by white guys. Yeah. And I honestly think part of it is because of the way that esteem works, the way that we value certain authors and certain books. So in high school, yeah, I was reading some of those because I had to to make grades. But I also started reading, I think I had a really heavy emphasis on mental health books in high school, books okay. that really touched on mental health. And I think it makes sense because I myself, that was the first time that I was really struggling with mental health. Hmm. And so... A couple that were really big. The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky. Now that it's a movie, it's like, you know, everywhere. Um, And I really love, everyone always quotes from that book and movie, we accept the love that we think we deserve. But I really think the unsung hero quote of that book is, I am both happy and sad and still trying to figure out how that can be. And I think that really spoke to me Mm -hmm. as you know, a young person and a young adult who's going through a pretty tumultuous time. Like, you know, it's just going through a tumultuous life and having these amazing moments where you're with your friends and you feel amazing. And then also sometimes dealing with, you know, understanding who you are as a person and having low moments and feeling sad or feeling depressed. And so this ability that the perks of being a wallflower had to hold both of those in the same space, I felt like was really powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. And at around the same time, I also read um, It's Kind of a Funny Story. Have you seen the movie or heard the book? I have not, but I'm interested. So there's a movie that has uh, Zach Galifianakis. And I'd say it's also a pretty good... I think Emma Roberts is in it. Um, And the main character from the show, Atypical, I think, is in it. Okay, so pretty star-studded cast. Yeah, it's a very good adaptation. But it's actually the author himself. It's based on his true life. Mm -hmm. And it's about a kid who contemplates suicide and he goes and checks himself into an inpatient facility for mental health. Like he, he sees he's unwell. He checks himself in, but the young adult sector has been closed down for construction or something like that. So they put a couple of these like teenage kids in with the adults who are also there for inpatient mental health services. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of all of these wild and wacky things that happen in a weird situation that you normally wouldn't be in. And I loved it. I feel like I connected to it in a lot of ways, but I think it's also an amazing book because it really takes the stigma away from mental health in a lot of ways to have this kid be so forward about what he's experiencing Mm -hmm. and like the bravery to know you need help and ask for it I think as a teenager is really hard to do so I think that was really powerful um and it's just funny and fun and the connections that he makes and the relationships that he builds and I think there is a sense of found family and he comes out being so much healthier Mm -hmm. because he was willing to have the courage to know in the first place that he wasn't okay. And so both of those are books that I think go hand in hand that really, as a young adult, were helping me to like navigate what is it like when life doesn't always feel good, Mm -hmm. right? Or sometimes life feels very hard and how do you navigate that as a young person or just as a person in general? Yeah. And I love the idea of the found family, too. I think mm-hmm. those are really important stories. And they're very relatable in life. Mm-hmm. Wherever you go, you're going to find people that are going to get along with you and understand you more than your actual family will. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, were any of those recommended to you or did you just discover them on your own? Yeah. So um, I think the perks of being a wallflower... I don't even know how I found it, but I do know it's kind of a funny story. I had seen another student reading it, mm-hmm. and the cover of the book, at least the U.S. edition that we had, the hardback, is the silhouette of a person's head, mm-hmm. and inside the head is maps, because that's okay. something that the character does. There's, like, a character in the book that draws maps, mm-hmm. and it helps them to sort of understand themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I was just really drawn to the front cover of the book. And so I was like, what is that book? You know, as I casually do, even as an adult, <laughs> stop people and ask what book they're reading. 
Um, I mean, the illustrator puts into some mm-hmm. a lot of work into getting that cover to be something you want. Yeah, why do you think I have these beautiful pink and blue books? I love here? it. I just love to look at them. I got to get my money's worth. Even when I'm not reading them, I got to look at yeah. them. Um, and so she told me the premise of the book, and I just thought, okay, that clicks for yeah, me. Yeah, you sold yeah. me. I wish I could say, like, I had an overarching ideal with my books. A lot of them were things that I like the cover. So as mm-hmm. I'm passing by the library, I'm like, that's cool. Or man, I really like animals. Let's like learn this book or something. Um, but a series that really meant a lot to me in high school was the bed and breakfast murder mysteries by my good friend, Mary Dayheim. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing I found her books because, and it ended up being like book 26 of her series was on, <laughs> Um, a layaway pile at Barnes and Noble. And I thought it looked really cool. The title of that one was called Viagra Falls or Viagra <laughs> Falls. And I was like, that sounds different and stuff. So I remember reading it and then I like Googled it and I'm like, I like this book. Let's see. And I'm like, holy mm-hmm. crap, this lady's written a lot. Yeah. And so I started reading through that and stuff. And around the end of my freshman year is when my grandpa passed away. Mm-hmm. And I continued just to kind of read her books and stuff. And the characters in it are a bit older. And so I just remember like really liking it. Again, they're murder mysteries. So that's really where I started to develop my love for it, the man I didn't see that coming or ah I saw that coming but they just were very welcoming homely people and stuff I mean hence why it's about a bed and breakfast you want people to be there but um I ended up reaching out to her a few months after that because her website said she would email you back and I'm like oh why not just told her what it meant and as many of my listeners will probably know we became very good friends for 10 years and stuff um listen to her podcast episode I did with her about a year and a half ago yes. two years now listen to it her talking about why she keeps writing will crack you up yes. so please listen to that episode so unfortunately she has passed since that one but a 10-year friendship that I didn't know I needed and stuff and so I want to hear about some of the relationships you've made mm-hmm. with these authors you've gotten to do through your bookstagram but um if any book in high school affected me it was definitely her series yeah that's so sweet I love your connection to Mary and I mean the podcast probably knows but you got to throw in like this friendship was a real friendship it was because then I became a character in her book series and so I've been in two of them and her last one is actually coming out in June, and so we will mm-hmm. see if Tyler Dooley ended up making an appearance or not. I wasn't able to chit-chat with her as much towards the end of her writing that, but we'll kind of see. It's almost my little last gift from her. Yeah, that's so sweet. Between being a character in a book and winning a Goodreads giveaway, you're like the bookish champion uh-huh. in the conversation. Give me my crown. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, So let's kind of transition then on to college and master's. And I will be the first to say, being an English major and just being in college, textbooks controlled my life. So (laughs) this is going to be a time when I really was not reading things unless it was a series I was already in. Um, But it was very much, what do I have to read for school? Yeah, same. I totally dropped off. I mean, in my college years, I can't even recall books that I might have been reading because it had been so rare that I wasn't reading for class and even grad school and it wasn't until the last semester of grad school because my courses were mostly practice-based courses or really heavy writing based and so at that point we weren't reading much and I thought I'm going from reading an absurd amount of academic literature to having really the the mind space to Mm -hmm. be able to put different words in and also maybe there was you know an emptiness because I lost all that academic reading that I was like well I got to do some reading (laughs) um so that's when I started reading again and I can't remember the first book but I guess I guess kind of in between uh undergrad and grad I had read Call Me By Your Name by Andre Osman which is now a very controversial movie because it has Army Hammer in it okay and just you can google yeah you can google people um so it's basically about like a 17 year old boy who lives in Italy I think his parents are faculty and there's a grad student who comes to live with them and it's kind of like a coming of age part love story maybe it's him this teenage character elio wrestling with like his sexuality and coming into his sexuality and sort of like falling in love with this grad student but it's obviously like a very complicated relationship in terms of power dynamics Mm -hmm. um 
and I just fell in love with this book because I think that it's very evocative like there's definitely I think that the author does to you what Elio is experiencing like you experience some of the feelings that he's experiencing mm -hmm. this like you know yearning and I think that it really opens a lot of questions and it absolutely wrecked me it was the beginning of my <laughs> wrecked me phase my partner always jokes like he saw this meme that said um it was like this book absolutely gutted me it wrecked me i'll never recover i'm in pure depression 100 percent, you should read it and that's accidentally i don't love i don't think of myself who loves literary fiction but somehow i fall into them and this sure. was the first book that did it and so when i that was like the only book i feel like i can literally recall within a seven eight year period yeah so then in grad school the next book that I think I picked up was Normal People by Sally Rooney. I have heard of that one. And I saw that Hulu was making the show. It was mm -hmm. before the show came out. And I'm the type of person who has to read the book before the movie <laughs> or show. If I watch the movie or show, I'm not going to read the book. That is fair. You know what I mean? I just, I already know what happens. I can't, I can't spend four days trying to figure if it's different or not. Uh -huh. Um, and I loved, loved, loved it. I think it gets a lot of hate because it's about two um, kids, teens in high school. And it essentially follows their relationship with each other. And I say it's a love story, but not a romance. Mm -hmm. um, it's not it's not happy. It's not comfortable in many ways. Do you enjoy it? I don't know if you could use the word enjoy, um, but it's a good story. And it sort of follows their relationship. And Sally Rooney herself is a Marxist, so mm -hmm. she focuses a lot on social class dynamics. And so she really complicates power dynamics in that your female character comes from a really wealthy background and your male character comes from a very poor background. And so how that at different points in their lives um, impacts sort of the social capital that they have in the spaces they occupy. And so therefore there's like, at one point he's kind of the popular kid and then at another point she's more popular and he's kind of, you know, pushed out because he's poor. And so she sort of plays with these power dynamics. Um, and it gets a lot of hate for the miscommunication trope. Okay. Which is where the problem could just be solved with a conversation. But I think that's very real that people don't just say how they feel. Mm -hmm. People don't always just share their feelings and put it all out on the table. And they don't, I don't necessarily think that it ends in a, ha it's not like a happy ending. I think it's very realistic and she often does that. And so I think she just writes in a very real way that you're like, life is complicated. Is it maybe the right person at the wrong time? Oh, I like that. Or is it like the right person and the right time, but we couldn't get our act together. You yeah. know, it's just like, it's just people are complicated and she has very complicated, messy characters. Yeah. And I like that. Well, and sometimes a book that doesn't have a happy ending, that's the one that sticks with you the most. And yeah. books like people, they come into your life for a reason for the good and for the bad. Yeah. And so Sally Rooney is my I would say she's my auto buy author so that's what we call <laughs> the authors that you love that the minute they publish a book you're buying you're there that's me with yeah. Sally Rooney um and so she also has a book called conversations with friends okay, which is out on about Hulu that. as well which has Taylor Swift's now ex-boyfriend oh no for Ooh. people who are in the Taylor Swift drama um but that one's about it's about four people it's about a married couple and then two best friends who are also ex-girlfriends and how they sort of get entangled. They have an entanglement oh. with this couple. And so there's secrets and again, power dynamics of age and gender and social class. Sure. And I think what's most powerful about the book is that Sally Rooney doesn't take a moralistic point. Mm. Like there are affairs happening and you never read it and think she's saying it's bad to have an affair or this affair is okay. Like she really just doesn't take a judgmental tone at all. She doesn't take a moral tone at all. Huh. So it feels like a slice of life, just an observation of, again, a really messy situation okay. where flawed, complicated people are getting together with other flawed, complicated people and everyone's just trying to kind of figure life out. Interesting. And so I think I like that because I can relate, even if I can't relate to 
the plot points, yeah. I can relate to, like, we're all messy people. Yeah. And, like, we still have to navigate life, you That's know? Interesting. Do you think that you would have picked up that book if you had not loved that author? Or do you think it's still one you would have been interested in? I don't think I would have even thought, if I hadn't have read Normal People, I don't think I ever would have picked up Conversations with Friends. Okay. Like, Conversations with Friends wasn't on my radar, until normal people sure yeah Hmm. i think about that sometimes too with books and stuff it's like oh i liked this one book from this author they made me want to read other ones but it's like would i have ever picked up this book if i hadn't picked up that book Mm -hmm. so yeah the ever wondering question do you have any auto buy authors are there authors that you love or authors Mm -hmm. that really pull you in i think mary would definitely have been one of them um it really depends. It's like me and songs. I can mm-hmm. love one song by an artist and not really enjoy any of the rest. Yeah. Um, and I think with age, too, like Rick Reardon, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. a lot of his books. And not that I don't think he still writes good. I think I've aged out yeah. of some of the books that he does. Um I think for me, it's a lot more of topics. Like, is it Star Wars, Star Trek? Am I interested mm-hmm. in that? Um I don't know if I can say that. I really would probably say Mary was my one. Yeah. Um, I think, though, a book that I read in college, and so I also kind of skipped the young adult stuff growing mm-hmm. up and just kind of went straight into the 300, 400-page novels. Um, but I fell in love with the young adult literature because I took a young adult lit class. Oh, yeah. And we were forced to read some um, really well-known books. And what I loved and has always sat with me is... Um, okay for now i do not remember who it is by but i specifically remember is about a troubled kid who his parents and him and his little brother moved to the small town he has a bad attitude chip on his shoulder and he goes to the local library and falls in love with bird watching and like the birds in this book and it's like this older guy that is runs the library that becomes very much a grandfatherly figure to him Um, And again, it's that found family kind of thing and how it affects him and stuff and how this girl who may or may not have become his girlfriend in the book, like really start to affect him. And I don't know what about that book, but that sucked me in and I absolutely loved it. Um, And I know it has a prequel book that I've never read because I'm kind of like, I don't really want to see him when he was still bad. I like him now that I know he's like getting on this better track. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that was probably the one book in undergrad that I just remember loving and being like one of those you have to read books. Yeah. I love that. That yeah. sounds so sweet. It sounds like a very cozy kind of sweet. It was. Um, definitely, yeah, your coming of age novel. Yeah. Um, but it really has made me like to go back and look at young adult literature. And I do feel we're going to a Barnes and Noble and a book Million, And then there's kind of like the middle <laughs> school, high school kids. And there's like, oh, what am I? Like, what am I? what am I interested in this looks kind of cool and so I do have to check myself some days but it is still there's a book for everybody and I really don't think anybody ages out of a book yeah yeah I get that um so I guess now we've kind of gotten through your schooling and stuff what books have just affected you as now you're becoming an adult now? Uh, I know you mentioned uh, Dark Academia. Maybe explain what Dark Academia is and what even got you into that. Did you realize the books you were reading were classified as that? Yeah, I don't think I realized until I had read too many. <laughs> um, dark Academia, I define it, it's typically... so. I can also talk about sort of the origin of Dark Academia and the the Mothership book that is sort of the cornerstone for it. So Dark Academia, when I talk about it, I mean, it's typically got murder. It's most likely a murder mystery. Uh They're often in academic settings. So whether it's, you know, an elite Ivy League college or a private boarding school, um, they tend to err on the side of a little pretentious. Okay. Um, with pretentious characters at the very minimum. Are they normal characters or are they Harry Potter-esque people? So I also separate Dark Academia into fantasy and non-fantasy. Okay. So there is a very wide swath of Dark Academia that has fantastical elements. Sure. Um, and of course, always dark tones. Like, like you're probably going to get a lot of dreary descriptions. There's probably something covered in ivy you know um so yeah so the cornerstone book of dark academia 
is um, The Secret History by Donna Tartt, which okay. I think is, I think it's at least set in the 90s. It's a very old book. And at the time it came out, you know, Dark Academia wasn't a thing. This is something sure. that sort of emerged in the last couple of years. But it's about a group of students. And I I want to say, I don't know if, I think they're college, maybe young college, like freshman-ish. And they all study classics together. That's another common theme is there's often some reference to classics, Greek or Roman mm. classics. So they all study classics together. But there's one main character that we follow who's our narrator. And he comes from like a poorer background. And a lot of the kids in the group that he gets pulled into are from wealthier backgrounds. Mm. It's very white. And I think the book touches on race just a little bit. Um, so it's like a very wealthy, white, elite kind of setting. And there's sort of a recklessness of privilege. Like these kids are obviously privileged and entitled and get themselves into trouble. Mm -hmm. But you find out from the very first line, I think, of the book that one of them is dead. Okay. And that the group killed them. And murder plays a big part in our yes. dark academia. Would you yes. say like the Netflix show Wednesday is very much a good yes. visual interpretation? I think that Wednesday is very closely linked to the prevalence of dark academia. Okay. I think we'll only see more dark academia aesthetic and influence in TVs, TV shows and movies. Sure. I think Wednesday Adams is a great example of dark yeah. academia. Yeah. Um, so I didn't love the secret history. I feel like it's way too long, a little too pretentious. Sure. Um, you, you, there's nothing surprising. I don't think you'll find many surprises in there. That is probably one of my proudest achievements is I set a goal for myself to read that this year. Cause I thought, how can I be a dark academia queen if I haven't read this book? But honestly, it's not worth it. It's not worth okay. it. Okay. So if I had to recommend some others, um, two of my favorite fantasy dark academia. So if you're like, I want magic, mm -hmm. I want fun adventure. One is Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, who okay. is a fantasy queen because she also wrote Shadow and Bone mm -hmm. and Six of Crows. You love her a lot. Yes. That has a Netflix show. Um, and I love the Shadow and Bone trilogy. So she wrote Ninth House, which is her first adult novel. And it's about... Um, a student, a, a girl who's from a really bad neighborhood in a bad situation in California who essentially gets recruited to Yale because she sees ghosts. Mm -hmm. And that's a very uh, powerful skill to have in these secret societies. So there are nine secret societies at Yale mm -hmm. and she is in the ninth house. And basically she gets there and all hell breaks loose. And the sequel is called Hellbent. Um, so there might be some literal hell happening in one or two <laughs> books. Um, so that one's good. And then there's also one called A Deadly Education, oh. which is about a girl who's at a magical school that is kind of like floating in the ether. Like it's not in any real location. And this school is essentially filled with monsters and magical kids. And your first goal is basically, your number one goal is basically just to survive. Fair. And it's like, if you survive you graduate okay <laughs> um and so it's her but she's it's kind of like the grumpy main character who oh. has no friends and so she feels like she's alone she's doing it on her own mm -hmm. but through the course of the the first book it's it's gonna be or it is a trilogy um she learns that she can't do it alone if she wants to survive so it's like her you know battling monsters but you know, building alliances and there's lots of secrets and she also mm. might have a very big power that people don't fully understand. Okay. So those are the fantasy books. And then the non-fantasy, I would say one, um, The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. Okay. Which is about a woman who her uh, sister and brother, I think sister and brother-in-law have died she has taken her niece and has become guardian. Someone at her niece's school, her niece's friend, is murdered. Hmm. And she freaks out because she's worried about her niece, goes to campus, immediately becomes convinced that a professor there is the murderer. Oh. And basically spends the whole book trying to figure out how he did it and to prove that he is a murderer. 
Interesting. Um, and then the last one, and I'll shut up, and this one is sort of relevant to our, <laughs> our previous conversation, is I love In My Dreams I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead, which is about a... It's a dual timeline, and there's six different perspectives. It's about a group of friends who were in college together, and while they're in college, sort of the golden girl of their group is murdered. They think that it's someone from their group, but that person is never convicted, so they come back to their reunion ten years later, and it's flashbacks revisiting all of these things that happened in college and all of these secrets slowly being revealed. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's catty. There's again, um, you know, sort of the struggle of social class and gender and jealousy. It's very messy. And I actually, that is an author, Ashley Winstead, who I think is so humble and so down to earth. She's an author that I've interacted with a bit on Instagram Um, And I also went to a virtual sort of author talk about the book. Oh, cool. And that is one of the places where I won a whole bunch of books from Sourcebooks, which is the publisher that publishes her work. Yeah. And loved it. It was like the best author talk ever. And I think she actually worked in academia full-time before she became a full-time writer. I think she was like a history professor or something. Hmm. So don't quote me on it, but I think that she was a full faculty member. Nice. Yeah. So that's kind of a perfect transition into talking about your bookstagram a bit. So I know you mentioned you wanted to do it because you wanted to create a place where you could share the books you were reading and stuff. Um, But tell me what that's kind of done for you right now. Some of the authors you've gotten to interact with. You said you got to go and do that virtual kind of Q&A and you won some free books. What else has the bookstagram done for you or you hope it's going to do for you? Yeah, so I've really enjoyed... um, building a community or being a part of a really supportive community as Mm -hmm. well so there's actually someone on bookstagram who goes by i think he goes by oliver speaks and it's a guy who did not learn to read literally graduated high school he was really pushed through the k-12 system without ever becoming literate and so now i think he's in his Mm -hmm. late 20s or early 30s he's on an adventure to teach himself how to read and i think he set a goal to read a hundred books all different levels, children's books, adults, whatever. Um, And it's so awesome because this is a community that embraces people. And instead of coming with any judgment or questions, it's like, yes, keep reading. We love you. We support you. Here are likes. Mm -hmm. Keep it up. Um, And that's actually one of the people that I've engaged with on Bookstagram because he also has OCD and I also have OCD as well. So that's been a cool connection. Um, and he speaks very openly about that. Yeah. So I think that's why I love Bookstagram is this community. So I do have friends on there. So sometimes my friends, you know, will comment because that's my my source for book <laughs> recommendations to them. Or they'll message me or Snapchat me somewhere else to talk more about a book. Um, but it's also to just connect with people all over who are doing this. Um, and to also support my favorite bookstores and yeah. authors. Like, for example, in Ames, Iowa, um, you know, we love our local dog-eared books. Yep. Or there's a new bookstore that just opened Des Moines called Reading in Public that oh. I am just, like, itching to get to. Yeah. Um, because they also serve one of my favorite local coffee shops from the Kansas City area. Um, but also amazing authors. So I talked about Ashley Winstead, who wrote In My Dreams I Hold a Knife. She's interesting because she writes, like, dark stuff. Mm-hmm. She has written a dark domestic thriller okay. called The Last Housewife. She's written In My Dreams I Hold a Knife. She also has a couple romance novels, and now she has sort of a, like, vampire book coming out. Hmm. So she's doing it all. So she's amazing. So I've interacted with her before where I've made a post or posted something in my story and tagged her in it, and then she'll message back to say something, or she'll share my post on her story yeah um so that's really cool i also love 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 carly fortune her book is on my table right now her (laughs) new book because my favorite book of the year last year was every summer after that she wrote and i messaged her about her books and got messages back but i've also even messaged her to say like hey i saw this like cute bowl in your (laughs) this little mini sort of ice cream bowl in your picture like where did you get this yeah and she's like i got it here um geneva rose 
who wrote The Perfect Marriage, which I think is actually being turned into maybe an Amazon movie or TV show now. Okay. I've interacted with her where I've, you know, she's posted something on her story. I've made a comment and she'll like message back. She's amazing. I think she interacts with more fans than any author that ever existed. I mean, she is constantly, like I can see where she shares fans things on her stories or will do polls and then respond to them. So she's very, very active. I feel mm. like Instagram's got to be like her second job. Sure. Um, another one is Alicia Bessett. So on my bookshelf behind me or yeah. my TV stand slash bookshelf, <laughs> there's a book called Smile Beach Murder, which is a cozy mystery. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit lighthearted of a murder mystery. Um, I made a post about her and tagged her in it. And then she messaged me back. Just so appreciative of, you know, my love of her book and stuff. So so yeah, there's lots of opportunities. I think that's something that's really shocked me about Bookstagram is how accessible some of these, you know, authors can sometimes feel so, so far away. Yeah. But to really realize that these are like literally just real people who do this job and love this job, but also really are readers themselves too, mm-hmm. and also love connecting with other readers about their work. So that's been awesome. Yeah, because we get the best ideas from hearing other people's thoughts and yeah. what they're doing. That's neat. And do you think that you would not have gotten these connections if you had just been using a personal Instagram compared to this one that you really have tailor-made to books? Well, I don't know. I feel like I feel like because my bookstagram is so book centric, I think the difference that that makes for me is that the algorithm is really powered to give me other bookstagrammers, like other people to support too, who are doing this as well. Um, But I still think the authors, I mean, I, I feel like at least the authors that I've seen or that I've interacted with are just like really good people who I think interact with people. So, so Another question I have for you is um, virtual means of reading a book or physical Mm. means? You know, I was a diehard physical book person. Another controversy, this is another question. I don't know if you had it, but it's like paperback versus hardback. Oof. Paperback all the way. Emily Henry just came out with a new book and I was like, I'm not going to buy this book because it's hardback. I refuse to buy it. And then, like, two days later, I bought it. Because... See, I'm a hardback physical copy kind of guy. Dang. I'll do a paperback if I need to, but I don't like how they end up, like, fanning out and stuff as you read it. I like that the hardcover <sighs> is always going to stay pristine and beautiful. We'll see if our friendship survives. <laughs> but I have all three of her other books in paperback, and I don't know if this one will even come in paperback. So I said, fine, I'll do it for you, Emily Henry, my queen. Um <laughs> So I was really attached to paper books, Mm -hmm. but you know, what is amazing? Local libraries. That is true. Spending too much money buying books when I got back into reading, um, at the end of grad school and it was also the end of COVID. So it was harder to access libraries in person. But once that opened up, um, and also like Libby using Libby or the overdrive app where you can access eBooks. I just, I had started, you know, it changed up for me the vampire academy series Mm. i read like the first three books of the vampire academy on my phone because i couldn't get physical copies from the library sure and i just could not keep spending so much money on books that's the difficulty thing for me with the library is Mm -hmm. i have books that i know are not mainstream and so i really just have to pray to god and Ames Public Library has not let me down yet, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's almost like it's just easier for me to buy the book and read it than to yeah. wait a millennia for the library to choose or let me know, no, we're not going to get this book. Yeah. If it's a book that I know I'm going to love or like my authors, like these are authors that I yeah. love so much, I will buy everything. Like I want to support them. But if for the most part, I try to use the lending li- or to use the library. Um, so after I read three books on my phone, I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to look at Kindles. I got a Kindle. I was like begrudgingly. Now that I have a Kindle though, I had to say, 
It didn't even take me a week to fall in love. I mean, I have the Kindle Paperwhite. You can adjust the font size. You can adjust the font type. You can adjust the lighting. You can adjust the warmth of the Mm -hmm. lighting. You can change the orientation. I got a clicker so I can turn the font way up, sit it on my treadmill, and then click my way through, you know, reading at this huge font. I love that. And so you can travel with it. I always get scared to travel with my books because I treat them like my babies and I don't want to hurt them. So, you know, I love, and I go through phases. I still love physical books, but I go through phases where I almost only want to read eBooks because it's, I just love my Kindle. And I also recently, just last year, Mm -hmm. started getting audiobooks. Okay. So that's a whole other can of worms, but I'm very team audiobook. Car rides are great for them. Sometimes it's like, it feels like you're watching a TV show or something. Yep. So I'll put on an audio book and do house chores and things like that. Well, anymore, they're getting full cast to yes. like read the characters. not just one narrator trying to yes. do a dozen characters. So it does make it a TV show. Yeah. So um, I think the first two audiobooks I listened to were The Hating Game okay. and Song of Achilles, which is a retelling. Yep. So, Which yeah. we talked about Song of Achilles quite a bit. Made me, made me cry. Broke me. Uh-huh. That book broke me. Yep. Five-star book. Um, so to keep us moving, because I know we are kind of getting close to the end of this, um, I do want to kind of rehash what we've talked about a bit. So the books that affected your youth, elementary, middle, high school, your love of dark academia, your Arnold Schwarzenegger family <laughs> love and everything. When you think about the books that you've read... And how they have affected your life and where you are now. What is the overarching theme that you hope my listeners get from your overall life? Yeah, I think that I look for books or or a major theme in the books that I find myself really in love with or attracted to are books that are far enough from my own experience to bring me into a new world, right? And I think that's why I would encourage people to read is you can experience so many other worlds. You can experience our world through different eyes. True. Um, And then there's always, I, I think you find this too, is oftentimes even when you're not looking for it, you will find pieces of yourself in those characters or you'll find pieces of those characters that you want to be reflected in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that books even when unintentional can inspire us in the most subtle ways even. I love that. That's very true. Uh, People use books as their escape from everything and Mm -hmm. stuff. So if you want to be reminded of life, you can turn on the news, but Mm -hmm. a good book will get you there. Um, I'd be remiss if I did not say before we left, what are you looking forward to this summer with books? Are there any good ones coming out? Because I got my list. Yeah, so um, I've got Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune and Happy Place by Emily Henry, two authors I love. I have multiple five stars between the two of them. Uh, Carly Fortune's book was my favorite last year, so I'm very excited to read that. And I'm also very excited, this is not my reading, but someone else's. Um, My only five-star book of 2023 so far is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I've heard of it. I call it Tomorrow Times Three. My partner hates that. It's just (laughs) quicker. By Gabrielle Zevin. It is outstanding. It's a book sort of around the world of gaming, Uh like video game creation. And it's coming of age. And it's a love story, not a romance. It's got a lot of great things. I am forcing my partner to read it. He has, he's on wait. He's, I think, like fourth on the list um, from our library again oh, okay. to get the ebook. And so I'm also really excited for him to read that book because then I can just unleash all of my thoughts and feelings and revisit that book itself. So those are a couple of my. It sounds like something he would enjoy. Yes, my big summer reads. So some of mine starting off in June. Um, we have Lady Macbeth, the final book, and mm-hmm. Bed and Breakfast from Mary Dayheim. So very excited about that. Um, then in July, I have Star Wars Inquisitors. If you've seen Obi-Wan or you've seen Star Wars Rebels, you really get a look into more of the Inquisitor characters. And I dig them. I can't get enough of the the small bit of history we've learned about them. Then I'm excited to see what this book tells us. Um, and then 
because I said I like a good reimagining, um, Disney has a new video game coming out called Mirrorverse. I'm not a video game guy, Ooh. but it is a darker telling of Disney characters. So it's got Snow White teaming up with Sorcerer Mickey, Sully from Monsters, Inc., Stitch, uh, Rapunzel, Tiana, and Hades. And they have to save the seven dwarfs from the evil queen. And they all have some different powers and all these other things. And I'm just kind of like, this is too weird not for me to pick it up. Uh-huh. Um, and so those are probably the top three that I am looking forward to picking up this summer and just kind of delving right on in. Yeah, I love that. That's like another retelling in itself. It's it is. a retelling in video game format. Yep. Um, well, Maggie, it was so, so lovely to have you on today. Um, what is your handle that my listeners can find you on for your bookstagram? Get some more ideas from you. Yes, go find me at Maggie's Mood Reads. You'll get all my mood reading, book recommendations, just a lot of bookish nonsense. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I'm happy you finally got the time. Yes, thanks for having me. And with that, that is another episode of Life Story. If you enjoyed it, please give a like and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, I'm Tyler Honig. Make it a great day.